See, when you get to be the top person, maybe in a department or an organization or a company or in a startup or a school or a church, it's very easy to say, now that I'm at the top, I don't want to do the ugly stuff. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. So majority of the episodes we have done, we have done it from pretty much either my house, my home office, or from Terminus. Right now, I'm actually sitting at Patrick Lencioni's table group and literally sitting with Cody and Patrick over here and, and doing this, this amazing podcast. We're going to talk about his latest book, Motive, that's coming up. I read it. I got the early edition of it, and it's fantastic. So, Patrick, welcome to the show. We are so glad to host you here. We, we're, it's, I was just saying to you that if you lived near us, we'd yeah. take up all your time because you're welcome here. And we love just sitting and talking to you. We've been, we finally had to record the podcast because we've been talking for the last two hours. So that is I'm glad so... to be on your podcast. Thank you so much, Patrick. All right. So this book, I literally, let's start from the end of this book because I think that was the most exciting part for me as I read it literally this morning. You said this probably is your shortest book of all. Yes. Probably the most meaningful book of all uh, from a leadership perspective. Talk about that. Well, most of my books, if anybody's familiar with our stuff, are about how to lead, Mm -hmm. how to run a company, how to have a meeting, how to be a leader, how to build a team, how to to find people that were good. So it's all the hows, which are fantastic. But I finally realized recently that the why of leadership is actually needs to be answered first. So if you, if you put all of my books on a stack and somebody said, I'm going to read them all, what should I start with? I'd say, start with this one to make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Mm -hmm. Because if a leader's not doing it for the right reason, none of the how makes sense. Yeah. One question I get all the time, I get asked, like majority of the people listening to the podcast are in marketing and sales. They're in leadership position. A lot of them are trying to get promoted. They're trying to be a leader. Everybody thinks that, well, leader means I got a bunch of people reporting to me and I'm the leader. Is that, what what is the definition of leader if somebody's thinking like, am I a leader or not? Well, and so I'm a a person of faith. I'm a follower of Jesus, right? And so there's this concept called servant leadership. Mm. And, and it, it's often like code for Jesus, yeah. which, is, which is true. But the problem is when you really think about it, there's no other kind of leadership besides servant leadership. I love that. I mean, if you're not leading in order to, to serve the people you're leading, if you're not doing something to make their lives and the business and your customers' lives better, why are you doing it? If you're, if you're doing it for yourself, that's not leadership. That's just self-interested economics. Mm -hmm. And so, so I I actually would like people to stop saying servant leadership because it implies that there's another choice. So what if to all those people out there that are saying, how am I going to do better? And in my life, serve the heck out of the people you're with Mm -hmm. over time, that will always work. You might lose a battle here and there if you work in an organization or for a leader who doesn't value that. Mm -hmm. But eventually so many people are going to want to follow you because you serve them that you will find yourself in the position you want to be in. Why is that so lost on people? Well, I think it's because we live in a world that has lost sight of what the purpose of life is. And at the end of life, we usually have a little more clarity. And what we remember and what we value and what we regret is not having loved others more. Mm. 
And so somehow society has said, no, get what you want out of life. Yeah. And I've known these people. I, I work with some of these people. Some of them I are am CEOs. Prob- I have been that person yes, all the and day. Me too. They're, like, they're not happier. Yeah. I've worked with professional athletes, with CEOs of big companies. And I tell my kids this. I have sons that are in college and, and younger ones too. But my sons that are in college, they're like, Elon Musk, wow. It's like, no, 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 no. And then nothing, I hope the best for him, yeah. but he's not on the right path. Right. That is not the path to happiness. Yeah. Because this is a guy who's prioritized his own stuff over his family and others. Mm. And there's a trail yeah. of destruction behind him. And yes, he's famous, but I can see in him. I, I was just talking to you about when he yeah. launched the truck. Yeah. It's like, this is not a guy firing on all cylinders. Right. And, and, but, and yet we hold him up as an example. And even my kids are in college going, yeah, but that's so cool. And I'm like, I'm saying, don't aspire to that. Aspire to serve others and do something important. Yeah. Then, then the rewards that come will be the right ones. I love that. Now, every single book that I've read of you, The Ideal Player, if you haven't got it, it's, it's one of the best books that I've read on leadership, The Ideal, bo- ideal Player. Ideal Team Player. Yeah, Ideal yeah, yeah. Team Player. Yeah. And it, it talks about this idea of like three different types of people that you should not hire and you should look for the right, right. person in there. And I, I was trying to think about that book and this book, Motive, where it's about like, well, the team is what, who, what you need, right? That yes. Everything you do, you can do it all alone. You need a team to actually have it. And I look at this book, Motive, it's telling me, well, who I need to be. Who am I in order right. to be a leader? That's a great point. I never thought about it like that. But my last two books, the ideal team player was was the sequel, if you will, to my to the five dysfunctions yes. of a team. So that's the book that more people have read than any other. And so the five dysfunctions was how to build a team. Mm-hmm. And then the ideal team player was me in a boneheaded way, finally figuring out 15 years later that some people are better at it than others. Right. So it's like, if you can be humble, hungry, smart, yeah. the ideal team player do that. But the question is, but if you're doing it for the wrong reason, yeah. if your motive for leading is wrong, yeah. none of that makes sense. Yeah. So if you're that kind of leader that's like, I just want to get promoted. I just want to make a lot of money. I want to be wealthy and I want to be influential. Then it's then read Machiavelli. Mm. But if you want to do it the way that's going to leave you better and others better as a result of it, I think the motive is probably a better choice. All right. So let's get into this. Yeah. When I read the book and it every uh, what I love about your writing is it's all is all of that is fable, right? It's like yes. you know, you're a fiction writer. As we were talking before, you wanted to be a screenwriter. Yeah. And how did that happen, by the way? How do you become a, from a screenwriter thought process to like writing books on leadership? How does that I've happen? I've always loved writing. The, the you, you you're from India, so yeah. you might not know this culture. There was a TV show when I was a kid. Cody, have you ever heard of the Waltons? Did you ever hear about that show? You're young too, yeah. <laughs> but um, so there was a TV show called The Waltons on when I was a kid. It was about this farm family, and yeah. the main character was about him, and he was a writer. And so I was probably six or seven, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be one of those. Yeah. And so, but then I came from a relatively poor family, and so being a writer was not going to wait. So I, I studied economics, and I got a job, and all this stuff. But throughout all my life, I kept writing, and I took a screenwriting class in college as an elective. And so I, I really wanted to be a writer. So I've written yeah. five screenplays. None of yeah. them have been made into movies yet, but I've. You were dabbling on it. Yeah. But so when somebody encouraged me to write my first book mm. about a leadership theory I came out with, mm. I thought, I don't want to write one of these long books that nobody's going to get through. So I said, I'm going to write a story and it'll be mostly dialogue. And I loved writing dialogue and I want it to be real. I wanted people to read it and go, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been in that meeting. That's me. Or that's the situation. So that's what I did. Yeah. And so and I've continued to do that because one of my favorite things, Sangram, is that people come up to me and say, I don't read a lot of books, but I yeah. read these. Yes. Because end to end, like I've literally read yes. end to end, which is not a something that 
I wanted people to finish. Yeah. And I wanted them to want to keep turning the page. Really what my books are, to, to be clear, are short stories, relatively short stories with an essay in the back about what the, the model, the, right. the, the book is about. And that's what this book is about. It's a story of two leaders. Most people who've read it so far say it's my best fiction because it's kind of edgy and it's quick. And, yeah. and, and then in the end, I, I describe here's what we learned and here's what, what you can go practice. That's good. So anybody who hasn't picked up the book, it's releasing literally this week, The Motive. And I love the fact that when I read it, it was about these two people who are both CEOs. Yep. And it was a lot of conversation where one CEO was making the other CEO feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. But he was telling it the best way he possibly can. With, with pure intentions. With pure intentions. And then there was a point in this story that I would never, I don't think I'll ever forget, where it was where Liam, who was the other like yeah. CEO who was telling Shay, like, hey, what's going on with you? Why is this company not going? Liam literally tells Shay, he's like, hey, if I'm pushing too much, let me know. I thought that was a very defining moment because that was almost like, I think about every one-on-one -on -one conversation I ever have with anybody that are tough. And I feel like either I am pushing them too hard or I'm not pushing them at all. I'm like, you know what? They're going to feel bad and you know I don't want to make their day bad. But in this conversation, Liam pushed him and pushed him to a point where he said, if I'm pushing too hard, let me know. And Shay's response to that was like, I need this. Keep going. Yes. And most people do. But if they're not given the choice to opt in, yes. then they feel like they're being victimized or it's being yes. pushed upon them. And so I think we always have to say, hey, listen, listen, if a person sees you have pure intentions, you can say, if this is too hard for you, I, I will stop. And sometimes people say, yes, it is. Yeah. But most times people will say, no, I want to grow. Yes. And but what we you know what we do instead of this, Sangram, we don't ask that question and we stop. Yeah. Because we they look a little uncomfortable. I just won't go any further. Yeah. And then we leave them where they're at. And they don't grow and we avoid feeling uncomfortable. But you know, at the end of those conversations, the person who is made to feel uncomfortable, it might be at the end of the conversation, it might be a week later, it might be a month later, maybe you'll never see it. They're gonna say, That person cared enough about me to make me better. Yes. This is not happening enough in the world. This is not. And companies, they, people don't do that. Yeah. And, and I, I think I personally don't do that. Oh, well, none of us do it enough. I write right. books about it and I yeah. wimp out. Yeah. I wimp out. And yet I know when I, whenever I wimp out, here's the thing. I know what I'm doing is I'm not acting in love. I'm acting in selfishness. Yes. When I fail to push you, Sangram, about something I know you could do that would help you and I don't do it because I don't want to be uncomfortable, that is me choosing myself over you. Right. And see, a, a, a leader who's doing it for themselves, they're not going to push people to be better. Why should they? Yeah. But a leader who says, I'm a servant, I have to push you because I, I'm serving you and you're going to be a better person for that. I love that. There's another part in the book that I hope people pick this up because there's a part where both the leaders go through what are the most important things for them. And right. they write down on a whiteboard and then Liam, who's a, he's clearly the better leader and he understands leadership a lot more and has done it and understood it through hard trials, he scratches off everything and keeps management and leadership or is the only thing that he focuses his time on. Right. And it is very interesting to me is that if I go and ask 10 people, hey, define leadership or define management, they'll probably have 10 different answers for me. Right. And, and here's the thing. Leadership is not esoteric. It's a verb. Yeah. But so, so, and that's important that we actually define what are the activities involved mm -hmm. in it. But we often default to the activities that are very tactical. 
And, and most CEOs, for instance, see themselves as, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO, but I came through marketing. Yeah. So really, I'm going to be the chief marketing officer. I'll, I'll have a CMO, but I'll do that. Or I'm in sales and I grew up through sales. So I'm still going to be like the heavy hitter sales guy. Or if they're in technology, the CEO. And here's the deal. There's only a few things that only the CEO can do. And they have to do those jobs because nobody else can do those. Mm. But there's a few of those jobs, and that's what this book is about, that they usually abdicate or delegate, which is the same thing to me, because it's not pleasant. Mm. See, when you get to be the top person, maybe in a department or an organization or a company or in a startup or a school or a church, it's very easy to say, now that I'm at the top, I don't want to do the ugly stuff. And yet the ugly stuff, ugly mean uncomfortable. Yes. It's, it's actually beautiful, but it's uncomfortable. When you opt out of that, you create a vacuum in your organization and real people suffer. Yeah. So this book is about saying, if you really want to be a leader, and I would tell this to a 23-year-old student coming out of college or a 58-year-old CEO, if you really want this job, here's the five ugly things that you have to do. Because mm. if you don't do them, nobody will, and your organization is going to suffer. I love that. All right, last point, and then I'm going to share a couple of thoughts about the things that we just talked about, and then I will want you to share a challenge with everybody who's listening, the one thing they can do. So keep thinking about that for a second, all right? So one thing, in this book, I loved the fact that you defined CEO as not the chief executive officer, but chief executing officer. Right. And I think there was a lot, like I, I pondered on that a little bit because I'm like, what's in the title? Like, you know, title has nothing to do, but then you kind of explain, can you just very quickly share like what was your thought process on that? Sure. Executive is a noun. Mm. So the chief executive officer says, this is who you are. Chief executing officer is a verb, technically a participle. And that's what you do. Yeah. And being the CEO is a verb. And you have to do the things that a CEO does. The truth is in the world today, though, you can take five different organizations and five different CEOs and they will define their jobs completely differently. Yes. And that's, that's, that's a problem because there really are certain things that the person at the top has to do, as I said before. So we need to realize your job is a verb. I like to say love is a verb. Do you love your children? People are like, oh, I do. And I believe it. I'm like, do you do these things? Yeah. Because if you're not doing those things... Your, might, your title might be parent, but you're not actually fulfilling the responsibilities. I love that. And if, you, if I'm the CEO of an organization, do you have really, really hard conversations fairly frequently? Oh, no, not really. Yeah. So if you're not having really hard conversations frequently, you're probably not filling the role of CEO. Yeah. And That's that, one of the things, for instance. Yes. And it's, it's a big gap you're leaving in the organization. The organization will suffer. And I've seen it. I've done that. And I recognize it's painful. Yep. It's hard work. But when you do it consistently, I think you get good at it. Yeah. None of us do it like, yeah, I, I became a CEO because I wanted to go to work every day and have really difficult, uncomfortable conversations with people. I mean, nobody chooses that. Yeah. But you say, well, if I'm this job, then I have to do it so other people will do it, too. I love that. And All right. So. Few right. things that I want to wrap up, and then I want you to share a challenge. Number one, I feel like in this book it talks about meetings, and I remember thinking like meetings, ah, people like it or not. And if you are someone who thinks that meetings are not your thing, and one-on-one meetings are not the most important things, think again. This book will redefine like people who actually would love meetings if you're actually making progress in that and have relationship in that. Yes, and and meetings are where we get things done. Yes. When and I wrote a book called Death by Meeting years ago yes. because what I couldn't believe is all my clients were saying, "Hey, if I didn't have to go to meetings, I'd love my job." Yeah. And I was like, "What do you do?" 
that would be like a quarterback saying, if I didn't have games and practices, I'd yeah. love my job. Or a surgeon. If it weren't for these patients and having to do surgery, this would be a great gig. Yeah. Most leaders, you sit down in a room around a table with an, with an objective and you work it out. That's a meeting. Yes. And if people are saying, I hate meetings, it's like, then you don't like being a leader. Yeah. You're that's not one of up. the things CEOs do. They go, I don't want to go to any meetings that I don't feel like going to. It's like, you don't get to choose. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, and this conversation between two CEOs, but I feel it's very applicable to every leadership role. Oh, no. You could be leading 100%. a department and it's the same thing. Exactly. And I see that all the time. And I feel like one of the greatest things that I've seen as a big needle mover for my own company has been the one-on-one -on -one meetings. Not even conversation with my customers has been as important as having a great conversation with my team because they are the one who are with the front of the customers more than I am. Right. And it's not when we say one on one. See, if, so those of us that grew up in American culture, the one on one is like, hello, how are Sangram, you? how are you? Sit down. So how are things going with you? It's like very like, yeah, it's very scripture. Yeah. Exactly. One on ones are like sit, catching somebody in the hallway or sitting, pulling them into an office and going, hey, I noticed this. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Am I missing something? Yeah. I need to, let's correct that right now. And by the way, if I'm wrong, tell me and I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. And it's like that slightly uncomfortable conversation. That's what one-on-one -on -one conversation yeah. should be about. And if you want to schedule those and have those, that's great. But don't go through the, the process of doing it without having the real I love that. substantive conversation. I love that. And then last part of this is the, that this whole book is about why. It really yes. is. It feels like it is about the why. And so, so much, I think we forget why we are in the role. A lot of times people get promoted just because they have been there long enough to be promoted. Right. A lot of times uh, I always thought that, hey, I wanted to be a director or VP or CMO because that's a good title. I see my buddy getting promoted. And I always looked at that as a natural way to show that I'm actually more capable right. of doing certain things. Right. And I've seen countless people who have been in that role and been miserable. Yeah. And, and they would actually make more money and be more happier in more of an individual contributor. So this book to me is almost the, the motive is so important. And if you don't know why you're trying to get into leadership, then you need to read this book because that you know, will and, change. And I, I always sound, found this in sales. Like a great salesperson, they say, you know, you're really good in sales. You should be the sales manager. Yeah. Now, you're not going to be selling anymore. You're going to be managing other ones. And then we're, if, they're, if they're not doing it because that's their calling or their skill set or, or they want to learn it, it, we're actually taking one of our best salespeople, spreading their lack of leadership and taking them out of the field. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's what we need to start doing is just saying, hey, we're, we want to promote you to leadership. Let's make sure you want to do it. Yes. Let's make sure you want to do it for the right reasons. Let's make sure you can do the difficult parts of that job. Then it can be great. Yeah. So for people out there that are listening, what I would say, what I want them to do is take a look at these things. Ask the people that work for you. Do I do these things that are difficult? Because if I'm not doing them, maybe I have to recommit mm. because I want to be a leader for the right reason. So if even if you're if you're currently like, yeah, I'm probably being kind of selfish, you can change. Yeah. But the only way you can change is to sit down with your people and say, I want to do this differently because mm -hmm. I haven't been doing it to the right person. You know, one of the things I like to say is, and I open the book, I think, with this, and that is in the intro, I talk about when you go to a graduation speech and somebody stands up and says, everybody out there, go be a leader, change the world. And I want to stand up and say, no, if you want to lead for the yeah. right reasons, and you probably don't yet because you don't know why, don't be a leader, go out and, you know, think about who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then if that's the right fit for you, then yeah. do it. I love that. Patrick, thank you so much. And Cody, thank you so much for organizing this, man. This has been a fantastic, it's a treat. You know, I'd like to do something. I'm really terrible at this, but I want to let your listeners know if they're geeks for organizational culture, yeah. 
like for leadership and teamwork and that kind of stuff. We actually do a podcast too. And you've, you've, yes. we've talked to you about our podcast. So we actually have a podcast called At the Table with Patrick Lencioni. So for those that just love to talk about anything and everything, very liberal artsy around organizational life and culture and work, we'd love you to subscribe to that. It's called At the Table with Patrick Lencioni. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And I've learned a lot about how to do a better one just sitting here with you today. That's awesome. And then also, can you quickly give a plug for the assessment? You talked like half a million people have taken assessment. What's the assessment? The assessment is basically you have a team and you're like, I'd like to know what we need to be better at. And so you take the the, the team assessment, which is about let's identify our relative dysfunctions. Mm. And so you, you take it. It takes people 15 minutes to fill it out. You get a immediate results back that say in the five dysfunctions, are we, are we good at trust? Are we good at conflict? Are we good at commitment? Are we good at accountability? Are we good at results? Mm. You look at those, then you look at the questions that you all answered low and you go, let's fix these three things and that'll make our team better. So it's just a great way to, to assess your weaknesses so you can solve them and make it very tangible. And that's half a million people have taken that half a million people have taken it. And let me just give you tell you one thing. And that's People holding each other accountable yeah. is the lowest score we find. Wow. Teams, they go like, I'm willing, maybe I'll have conflict and all these things. But when it comes to actually saying to you, hey, I think you can do better. People often don't do that. And that's when their team breaks down. So when teams feel this out, it leads to the best conversations. It's not yeah. uncomfortable. It's actually enlightening. And people are like, those are the three things that we're, we suck at. Let's yeah. get better at that. So it's really illuminating and yeah. it's a relief. That's crazy. All right. So we, in the show notes, we're going to have the link to the book. We'll link to this assessment and also link to the podcast that we talked about. That's so, fantastic. So that'd be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Patrick. This is fantastic. Hey, God bless you. And I'm so glad to be on here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.